Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Building Your Business right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today is Gary DePaul. I was on Gary's show not so long ago, which is actually coming out July 1st. Totally different platform to mine, but I really did enjoy it. It was a wonderful flow, and he asked some very beautiful questions, which allowed me to really express myself in the way that Sarah does. So we're going to be talking today, though, up about knowing leadership when you see it. He says leadership is one of those concepts that is difficult to define, but you know it when you see it. During the last past two decades, though uh, the way, sorry, I'm gonna have to redo that. During the, the past two decades through the way experts think about leadership has radically changed. And from the traditional view, which so desperately is needed. Gary DePaul helps professionals uh, Demify themselves into leadership concept and learn how they could be more efficient, uniquely different and extraordinary and achieve that uh, that level. Leadership has changed, folks. It's become more compassionate, cohesive. It has become more unifying. It has become more respectful. It has bridged the gaps and uh, it is wonderful to see it. We're going to be talking about that today. He's a leadership consultant, an author, a podcast host, a researcher. He partners with HR and talent development executives to strengthen the health of the organization's teams and themselves. He's the author of two leadership books, What the Heck is Leadership and Why Should I Care? And Nine Practices of 21st Century Leadership, a guide for inspiring creative, innovative and engagement. So he's out of North Carolina and we are right here today on this lovely global platform that anybody around the world can tune in with a cup of coffee, a glass of wine, whatever you wish and enjoy our conversation. Welcome to the show, Gary. Thank you so much. I have my tea. I've got my coffee. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. Excellent. So good to be here. Good to have you here. Leadership. Mm. It used to be, uh, I didn't know, kind of unreasonable for a start or we put leaders up on a pedestal and then the moment they did anything wrong, we'd pull them right back down again. And people don't realize that leadership, you're a leader in your own life. And every choice that you make is leadership. And if you're bringing that leadership into a corporation, into a business, into any aspect of your life, you don't want it to be a dysfunctional one. So defining what your leadership is, is something that we really need to know before we bring it to the collective. Is that all right? Welcome. Thank you. So leadership, I, I will start by saying what leadership used to be mm-hmm. about that. If you, and I I had a really good conversation with someone about this. If you think back to the industrial age, when you had managers in charge of people and they were on assembly lines, their purpose was to get work accomplished. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that was in a way synonymous with management Mm -hmm. and the two were tied together and that was okay. It's, I mean, it was pretty decent at the time, but 
a lot has changed since then. And the concept of leadership has even changed because it's the new version, the evolving version is filling a gap that was missing. So when you, when I talk about leadership, it's not how, how I personally defined it, it's how several authors in the 21st century, uh, David Marquet, Marshall Goldsmith, Simon Sinek, who I just mispronounced his last name because I found out it's not Sinek, it's, it's something a little bit different. <laughs> uh, uh, even, and, and, and uh, I, it even goes to um, uh, James Collin, uh, J, uh, John Maxwell, just to name a few, but they've all developed this concept. And, and I'm sure you've heard of servant leadership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is, it's the buzz of the day, or it was of the last decade. But now leadership is, has, has, has a very simple meaning. It's different from getting other, the art of getting things done through other people, which is uh, a, a nice definition for management. And it, it still is a good definition for management. But leadership is helping other people. It's not about you. No. It's not about me. Mm. It's about other people and helping them mature mentally and morally, or putting in another way, helping them build character. Mm. I would say Very inspiration. Mm-hmm. I say inspiration begets invitation. And when a leader inspires other people to want to step up, to freely speak, to, to share the vision, to want to be a part of something, that collective, it's inviting people to step up. You know, when we look at the people that inspire us, it's like, what kind of leader are they? And you will generally find they're quite, they're very, very much immersed in their belief of what they're doing, right? Whether a good leader or a bad leader, Hitler was a bad leader, but he was a leader nonetheless, right? He managed to manipulate people through his enthusiasm. So you've got the other people that are creative. You, you know, you have obviously... Steve Jobs, although he was a terrible manager, he certainly inspired people in leadership. Uh, you know, you've got Microsoft, Bill Gates, whatever vaccine rumors are going on around him, he still was a leader. Um, uh, I always forget his name, Virgin. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. Um, and he's definitely an inspirational uh, leader because he leads by example, but he loves to incorporate. For him, it's, you know, it's about building the family and everybody being a part of something. But there's always somebody that we look at in life and we go, we like their leadership style because they are inclusive. As you said, it's not about them. Worship me. I'm on the gold throne. It's about... I'm excited about this. I believe in this and I'm inviting you to join it. Bring me your, your instrument to my orchestra and let's play music. And that type of leadership is very intoxicating, isn't it? And I think it really gets people to really immerse themselves into it and generally be very loyal because of it. Yeah, you don't have to own a business to lead. No, no. You can be a manager, you can be an individual contributor and you if you're if you're a team member if you're not managing the team you can definitely lead the people around you and give them purpose and helping them find their purpose mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the other thing I, I like about leadership it's bi-directional meaning that while i am helping other people develop and grow mentally and morally 
they are helping me do the same. I've heard I've heard people that do mentoring say similar things like uh, 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 Bill Brown, who's retired. Uh, he said, I get more out of mentoring than the mentee gets out of it. Yes. I've done about 2000 shows now and it's been the greatest therapy. Wonderful self-discovery. Um, and I've learned so much about myself by, you know, talking to other mentors that they're, you know, their sharing of the products, etc. But it's the, I think it's what it switches on in you. It's the possibilities, you know, and I felt the old hierarchy, hierarchy of, of leadership was I'm here. Uh, you're going to get here when you're about 60 and then you're going to retire, you know, uh, yeah. where now that leadership is, uh, if you're enthusiastic and you've got great ideas, the age isn't the barrier. The, even the experience isn't the barrier. It is that enthusiasm and how energetic you are bringing it to the table and, and being able to see the possibilities and make a difference. So I feel that it's opened up so much more to everybody else's dialogue and not just, you know, the baldies around the table. I, th I think you'll like this. I, I had, I talked to someone recently who said he, he joined a, a church group and he was like the youngest person there. And he said something, doesn't matter what it was, but someone came up to him afterwards and said, what you just said, and this was like a, a 70 year old man talking mm -hmm. to a 20 some odd uh, younger, younger man said, what you just said was at the right time, in mm. the right place mm. in my life. And it's changed. Actually, it's changed what I'm going to be doing moving forward. And, and, and a lot of times people will do that. They'll say something and they don't even know that they're modeling yes. the behaviors. They don't know their mm. influence and and the change that they make, which is, I think, a beautiful part of, of just being leading and being a good person. Being true to who you are and why you're doing yeah. it, right? I had a young guy, 23, out of Iraq. Um, he, had to, he had to study in Poland. It was the only university that would take him because of his nationality. And, and his passion was waste management. It was an ecology show. And, you know, it's like, I, I want to change my country not just the waste product but the waste of life and the you know um the passion it, he i don't know what temperature it was in over there but it was extremely high he's wearing a suit and tie it's an hour and a half conversation and and it's you know the amount of people that i mean i never quite know how many people listen because you know, there isn't always the statistics there but on the video how many people have actually listened to this and i said to him you're a born leader and the, the reason why reason why he's a born leader is because the sheer enthusiasm and the commitment to bringing solutions to the table and, and just inviting people in with that aura with that passion you know, it can't help but shake people out of their complacency, right? Or this, you know, this stagnancy that is there and go, oh, I guess there is another way of looking at it. You know, I guess there are other possibilities. The well hasn't dried up. And that kind of enthusiasm is so intoxicating, isn't it? And, mm -hmm. you know, he doesn't look at himself as a leader, but by the sheer presence of who he is and the passion, he has become one. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the challenge of why we need leadership. 
when you wake up in the morning, if you're, and this is my passion, this is why I do what I do. When you wake Sorry, up- Sorry, I've got a hummingbird right down my window. Oh, <laughs> how wonderful. I know, <laughs> lovely. <laughs> they are, they, and, and they make a beautiful sound that I just, I just love. When you, when you're outside, once you hear it, you know it and it just, it just catches on yes. and there's the tail. There's the tail. We have the birdies over here and the pussycat over here. Clear that there's a vibration going out. Hello, I, hello, hello. <laughs> I think the hummingbird got his attention. <laughs> yes. <coughs> but imagine this is when I say this is my passion, this is what what doesn't happen. People in corporate America in particular, the my audience, they don't wake up and say, man, I can't wait to get to the office. I can't wait to get online. This is exciting. I'm looking forward to interacting with my colleagues. I'm going to make a change. But they also don't say, today's the day I'm going to make everyone's life miserable. I'm going to be as gruesome as I can. And But, use, but here, I had this conversation yesterday with, with uh, uh, Barry Shore who's the uh, ambassador of joy and very, very soggy said what they, here's what they do. They wake up, not all of them, and they hear jaws, that theme music mm. and they dread. Mm. Yes, you got it. Yes. They dread going to work. Yeah. And a lot of it, a lot of it is dealing with, with challenging people who have challenges in their own lives that, end up acting out at work. Um, and part of it also is not realizing how much choice we have yeah. and how we present ourselves to, to the office or to the work site or the workplace or wherever it is. It, it, it can make a huge difference. And when we're, when we're able to overcome JAWS and we present ourselves in the first scenario, it makes, it, it brings a higher purpose. Yes. But well, don't you find that, um, I mean, I don't know how many people I've interviewed who've, who've either had the cosmic do before or the tap on the shoulder of redirect. And they go, I, you know, maybe six figures. I may be up there, you know, in the company, but I'm utterly miserable. I'm not doing what I love. I'm not doing something that really means something to me. And so you've got so many people in that higher position and they've worked their entire lives to get there and they can't walk away because of the prestige, the money, the this, the that and everything else, but they just simply don't enjoy their work anymore. The passion isn't there. And how many of them, I, as I said, cosmic to before, heart attack, this, that, et cetera, something comes along to, you know, can you hear me now? Tap, tap on the shoulder, I'm redirecting you. And then they've gone into doing something that they're truly passionate about and it's changed their lives completely. It's changed the lives of everybody around them. And they're suddenly in their meaningful purpose and everything, and the money isn't anywhere near the same, but they're more enriched and more abundant than they've ever been in their lives. And they are more inviting because of that, that joy of what they're in. So I think we as people along the line, we have to look at it and go, if it's a Jaws type, you know, Oh, going, 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 going to work, you know, like if that's the way you feel, maybe it's time for change and you're never too old and it's never too late to change. Yes. Never. No, it, it is never too late. And the only time it's too late is when you're not 
dead. Snake. Yes, you're dead. <laughs> Essentially, that's that's when it is. It a lot of it comes down to between two words, and this this was definitely my life when I started out in corporate America. It's living by chance, mm. and what I mean by that is a door opens, and it's in my face, mm. and I go through it or I don't go through it. Right. It's when things are presented to me when I was young in corporate America, and I just followed the path, but I was not making the choice. Mm. I wasn't purposely choosing what I was doing, and I was allowing myself in the comfort of letting things be presented to me versus the uncomfort Mm. of being an entrepreneur right oh guys scary (laughs) (laughs) um there's a lot of people that have come from corporate and gone to being an entrepreneur and there's a couple of benefits of that you've already got the structure in mind you already know what is needed and you know for the for the building blocks right but the other thing is to also let go of that to a point and be able to go with the flow tap into the now allow Right. And because it's a different vibration altogether as an entrepreneur, there's a great deal more intuitiveness that needs to be there. But with that added structure as the building blocks, there really can be some wonderful success. But it's the merging of the two. Yeah. Having had the experience in corporate America as a manager and a director and et cetera, it it does it does help you find your voice. Yeah. You know, with all these experiences and when you're able to take that step back, when you're able to be reflective and you decide, I'm going to do something, I'm not going to become one of the living dead yes. that checks into the work. Yes. yes, yes. And that is, which is the worst employee to have. Yes. It is, you much rather have them be happy and elsewhere and not be miserable and working at a quarter of the speed that they should be. Well, but they also bring everybody else down around. And they are. Yeah. Also, yes. And then you, you, and then it's contagious, like emotion is contagious. And I I'll tell you a story. I, I love how we're like, jump on topics. No, we're going so it's beautiful. It allows I love to go. <laughs> I have, I had a friend of mine that worked with me in a large corporation. I left and eventually he left and he decided to become an entrepreneur, start his own business. And he ended up going back to that particular office to do some contract work. And this is like a couple of years after he had left and he gets there. The vibe is fantastic. People are enthusiastic. They're like, wow, there's change here. It's actually becoming positive. This is really good new chief HR officer joins, the vibe goes away. And he said to me, Gary, it was like three weeks of, of optimism and suddenly it switched. Mm. And it was being around people who just lost hope yes. that they were, they were in an environment that was going to be very positive. And it had this huge effect. And he said, I couldn't wait till that contract was over. Right. They were so miserable. My son owns a restaurant and um, he had a chef that was with him. Then she left for another job and then that job didn't work out. He, she came back and, he, you know, he's extremely loyal to his people and gives everybody a chance. But the bottom line is she was a miserable person. 
And she started dripping that misery in everybody else. Now, other people, they were happy. Yes, it's a hard job. You know, you're working hard. It demands a great deal. Um, but they were happy because he treats everyone there as family. And it's one of those kind of restaurants like Cheers. Everyone knows your name or knows your menu. Yeah. And, you know, it's the local place. But her misery started dripping in on other people. And he started seeing other members who've been there since the beginning when he opened up, really loving their job, start questioning everything, start being miserable. And it's like the one bad apple that starts affecting the whole barrel. And he said it, she, she had to go. And the moment she left, you know, everything rose back up again. So this is what I said earlier about being the leadership in your own life. Do not bring your discontent to your work. Nobody else needs to know your shite, right? And you know, when nobody needs it to be dumped on them, there isn't anybody walking that hasn't got some issues they're dealing with. Now you may make a friend or something else that's a great sounding board and the two of you together can kind of work through some things, but your discontent with life needs to stop at the door and you need to come in with a different attitude because otherwise it can bring everyone else down. It can bring everyone else down. And I bet the, the food yes. when presented was yes. not the same. Right. Yes. I, she was incredibly salty. <laughs> <laughs> I always knew when she was cooking. <laughs> and, and he's got a fabulous team there now. You know, people do come and go in the restaurant, but he's got people that want to be a part of it because they feel that they're a part of something good. Right. It, yes. isn't, it isn't just a job. I'm doing. I'm just a cook. No, I am part of something good. I'm part of that creativity. People walk away with a smiling tummy and a smiling face. And I'm a part of that. And, you know, that's the thing, taking pride in what you do. I don't care in the orchestra if you're the triangle or if you're the soloist. Everybody has their role to play. And if you play it well and you do it with pride and you do it with that cohesiveness, you know, hallelujah, the symphony is going to resonate. And take that sympathy, sympathy, sympathy theme, <laughs> a sympathy theme, a sympathy well, theme. Well, sympathy, sympathy, and sympathy get together, really, right? Because you're Alas, <laughs> depending on the composer. Right, true. <laughs> but there's something that is happening, and that is you have you have the conductor who is communicating to the musicians, but there's also musicians communicating with one another. Yes. It's when the big challenge, the terrible thing that happens is when the communication doesn't happen. Right. When you have someone like the chef that comes back and is making people miserable, no one is communicating to that chef and saying, and, it, it, and this is true in corporate America, yeah. you have BPs that stay, uh, um, to Liz, Liz Wiseman said they, they uh, who wrote Multiplier said they, they tend to stay four or five years longer than they should have. Yes. And it takes that, and people are reluctant to take those people out of position, but the ones that are being affected, they don't, they may communicate with one another, but they don't communicate up. Yeah. Because of the fear. And when you have a situation that's very dysfunctional, that's toxic. It is so difficult to talk to enablers that oversee that person, talk to that person because of the amount of risk involved. Right. Yeah. And the you know total fear of of doing that. And and if 
if you and I were working together, switching the situation again, and something tragic happened in your life, and you chose not to share it, we're going to see it, all of us colleagues. But if you say, and this is encouraged by the really good managers, is if if you say, today, I am having a terrible time. My son is sick. Uh, I did not win the lottery. I mean, whatever it is, but but let it but let people know that I'm being affected in this way. It's affecting my work, and whether it means taking time off or just having to talk to someone about that in the office and this. Oh yeah, that is that is awful. But people are aware that you're having a difficult time, and they treat you differently, and you're not yes, and and you're not and and you're not negatively affecting them. And the way that would have been misinterpreted. Right. I'm going back to my son again, actually, because I just had a oh, wonderful weekend with him. Um, in his restaurant, November will be four years. And for a new restaurant, you know, it's always establishing. He, he wanted to expand. He's waiting for the city and a whole lot of obstacles in the way. And then at the time COVID started, he snapped his Achilles. So he's in mm. a plaster cast, right? And the news come and interview him because they like him. What are you going to do? Well, we're going to do, just do, do takeout. So he's at the cashier taking phone calls and things like this with his leg up and across the cast, right? You know, roll on how many times in the last 15 months, open, close, open, close, open, close, and the rules changing. And he had to, you know, in order to maintain staff and maintain business, he had to kind of think out of the box. So he would create meals, ready cooked meals that people could pick up and take and for any special event. He's broken records. You know, when with the actual dining room being closed outside, maybe being open, but he's broken records just by doing that by being innovative. But he and his girlfriend recently broke up. And she's now suddenly engaged. So, and you know, it's someone else. Someone else, yeah, and it's like uh, everything kind of came crashing. You know, the exhaustion of working seven days a week. You know, the whole management of, of staff and this and that and COVID and everything else, um, and it just he became completely vulnerable. And he's actually said to his staff, "Look, I, I you know, I'm in a little. I, it was actually the girlfriend getting engaged where they kind of just suddenly looked at it and they realized." Somebody made him a beautiful card. Somebody wrote him a poem. Others say, Ty, don't worry, we've got this. Go and take time out. Go and do what you need to do. Because he was in that leadership role, carrying everyone. But you've got to realize, at some point, your shoulders aren't big enough. And if you're breaking underneath that weight and you can completely collapse, well, if you've got a good system in place, they can carry you. But if you haven't, everything else can come crumbling down. So leaders need to ask for help, need to show mm -hmm. that they're human, need to show, look, this is going on in my life. Please work with me right now. I'm going through a, a dark time. Same that you give to your staff, your staff need to give to you. And this is compassion. This is, I think, compassionate leadership, because when you respect the troubles that other people are going for, and I call it the village mentality. The village is mm -hmm. only as strong as everybody participates in it. That includes the village idiot. Everybody has a role to play. When something tragic happens, the village is there for them. When something wonderful happens, the village is there for them. And that village is strong because everybody's there for each other. That in itself is leadership, isn't it? Being there for each other. 
Yes. And enabling them to lead as much as you. It's not, it's not the manager who is in charge, who does all the performance reviews and make sure all the work is signed that, that sure that's management, but leading can happen in so many different ways. And, you know, I'm going the, I'm going to tag on what you were just saying and talk a little bit about someone who wants to become better at leadership with what, and I'm going to take what you just said in mind, when someone really wants to get better and they want to work on one or two things in particular, if they let the people they work with know that they're trying to improve yes. at leading with communication, or I want to, I want to do a better job at greeting other employees. And I want you to be aware that's what I'm trying to do. Mm then they can, you're giving them permission to give you feedback. Yes. To support you. Yes. To encourage you. And that is, and it's a powerful thing. Now don't do what I did a long time ago where I decided I was going to start thanking people for how much I appreciate them. And I started doing this in the office. And at the end of the day, three or four of them came up to me and said, where is it you're going to work? I said, I'm going to work here. No, no. Where's where's your new job? <laughs> I don't understand. Well, you're thanking, you're saying goodbye to everyone. I haven't said goodbye to anyone. No, you're thanking them about how much you appreciate them. And when people do that, they quit. So I learned. Okay. Define. I need to let people know, hey, I'm trying to change a behavior. But uh, you know, back to what you're saying about your son. I recently talked with, uh, interviewed Dave Best, who works at the Home Depot. And a year ago, his wife was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. And it's, I think it's, it's like stage four cancer, really bad. He was at the hospital, he was sleeping at the hospital, and his boss walks in and says, Dave, I'm here to support you as a friend. I'm here to show how much I appreciate you. But I'm also here on behalf of our VP who wants, who agrees with me and with his VP and SVP Mm. that we want you to not work. Mm. We want you to take the next three months. And if you don't answer an email, if you don't come in, we're still going to pay you because you need that money to support your wife. But we know that right now you physically emotionally cannot be there to help people. If you want to help with editing some PowerPoints, doing some small things like that, then come back. And he literally, he would, he did not go into the office. He did not check email for a lot. He was there for his family. Guess what? He feels not only is he loyal to the company, but they're getting, the company is getting him tenfold. Yes, because he's he wants to do well for the company because the company is believing in him, supporting him, and he wants to give back to that company because of that. You know that the way that works is that what are we working for? We're working for our families. We're working to have life, to enjoy life. Now we want to enjoy our work, but that's that amount of hours. Then there's these amount of hours where we're with family, friends, etc. If in a time of crisis, you can't spend time with your family because of work, oh no, you're going to lose your job and you have to choose. It's, I think it's sinful 
because yeah. this is when we should be the village should be around that person going through that and then in that recovery as they come back as you said their loyalty is there they're a part of a family that cares they're going to give their all back into it because not only do they want to keep that job because they take care of their own but that appreciation shows validation you know yes. you are worthy we respect you we understand what you're going for we're there you know with you that is just simple humane compassion which we have not seen too much in past business but we're seeing more and more now and i think is seeding so much more growth and so much more loyalty and and work ethic in other people because you show you're not just a signature on a check and a job clock out i mean what's this undercover boss oh yeah yeah right you know like he goes in or she goes in and nobody knows who they are and they're realizing how hard their employees are working and the struggles that they're going through and up in their little ivory towers making all these decisions slice and dice cut corners here and there which are lives they don't realize the effect on those lives until they're in the trenches with them and i think all the rotation should be there when you get up to the top as a ceo whatever back down to the bottom for a refresher course <laughs> yeah and the, the other thing is there are if if you're in management there are so many crucial moments that occur mm -hmm. it could be when someone notices if you're in a doctor's office you don't wash your hands when you're a doctor and you don't wash your hands yeah. and a janitor reminds you, you didn't wash your hands. That's a crucial moment. It could be the doctor lets out and sip toward that person. And that triggers a chain of effect yes. or that doctor turns. Thank you. Yes. And that triggers a chain effect when yes. day best went to went on leave, so to speak, it wasn't just him that knew he went on leave. It was everyone around him. Yeah they saw what was going on and that affected them as well in a positive way that this company really does care about people the thing is when you go to work anywhere and you have to put all your pain and your troubles up on a shelf or in a box and do your work and suck it all up how can you give your your full performance how can you give your full energy and if you're going to work through troubled times and people say, look, we're there for you. If you need to take a moment or you need to take a day off, we're there for you. Again, I think it's respect. I think it's a value of who you are as a person. It's a, a validation of the work that you're putting in. And it shows that in all of us being human, absolutely everybody is vulnerable. And we're all going to have those vulnerable moments. If we allow people to have those vulnerable moments and help them go through it. They're not only going to be stronger people themselves, but they're going to remember those that stood by them. And it makes for a stronger community, whether this is in the workforce or in the private force, it's, it's, it just makes for a stronger community. And from all the shows that I've done, and I know you've done as well on your podcast is we're seeing this wonderful change of, of approach. How many people I've interviewed that have run companies or, you know, being the consultants of this or that. And it's say it's, it is about the compassion now. You know, see, compassion, pussycat comes back on life. The cat knows <laughs> compassion. Oh, you're so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> you 
it is about the compassion and understanding we're all human. And in this last year and a half, we've all gone through this, the amount of change. You know, there's a wonderful Celtic room called Haglas, and it means disruption. Mm. And, you know, before you can have clarity, you have to have disruption. And, you know, part of the universe shaking is up to wake us up right now to stand up and change it up is this disruption of the old of what's not working. And we've looked at at who are our heroes right now. You know, the janitors in the hospital, the truck drivers, the frontline food workers, the frontline carers. These are the people that without them, where would we have been? They literally have saved us. And the CEOs that are still taking the big fat check that haven't said, I'm going to do this for my staff or that for this or this for that. It's actually been an eye opener on the companies that have stood up and the companies that gouged. Yeah. Right. We're not going to forget that. We're not going to forget that because we're going to remember the people that came together for the community, for their people that stepped up. Because that was the invitation to step up as a community and be there for each other and appreciate each other, no matter what label we put on each other. Yes. And no matter who you are in the village of your business or wherever, it's anyone can lead, anyone can do the small acts that mm. have huge consequences and chain effects. And, you know, a quick example. Patrick Ward during the uh, pandemic when it started, he, he actually was one of the few people that realized in February, March of last year, what was going on and how drastic it was going to be. And so when, when they went remote and they were partially remote as it was, when they went remote every day for 30 minutes in the morning, he would get with his team virtually and they would just talk. They would talk about their struggles, what mm -hmm. they're seeing, uh, how they're feeling. It wasn't a therapy session, but it was just able to express I, how difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. A year later, and it comes to performance review times, they all communicate to them that that 30 minutes a day yeah. saved their lives. Yes, yes. And yeah. it's, it's, yeah, and it's, if you're in management, if you're not in management even, if you just say thank you. Yeah, I when you I I saw what you did mm -hmm. on that job, you know I wish I could do that kind of work at that quality, and maybe one day I will. But I wanted to let you know how impressive that was what you did for the client, for the cusp, whatever, and and just being able to say that and just say how much you know, just recognizing people you. I, I noticed that you came in early today to take care of that problem or came in early and saw someone struggling, uh, you know, Bob struggling with something. You went over there on your own time and helped him. And it meant, I, it meant a lot to me. And when we can acknowledge that, yeah. acknowledge when we struggle, it changes the game and it becomes infectious. And it shows what true leadership can mean when we do that it's saying i see you you're not a droid i see you i appreciate you but getting back to my son yes i'm totally my son <laughs> friday mornings at six o'clock before opening the restaurant he has a yoga session mm. all of the staff who anyone wants to come it's just a way to de-stress a way to connect in before the busy weekend and just that kind of support and, he, you know, like last Friday I was over there and we had a, a impromptu bonfire 
night after work. Somebody bought a bonfire pit. It was pouring with rain. We had some beers and pizza and, and just everybody just, you know, the staff just like chatted and laughed and, and just were together. And he does that quite often. I think that it just lets people know that you're not just a working number, that you're, you're a part of this business part. You are the bricks in the wall, right? And we want to know that it counts. Yes. We want to know it counts. We're giving you eight hours or more or whatever every day. And we want to know that what we do is seen and it counts and you see it and you see us because otherwise it feels like a waste of eight hours a day. You may get this piece of paper with a number on it, but it doesn't ever feel enough because you never feel appreciated. If you're appreciated and you're seen and you're valued, suddenly your paycheck feels so much more. Yes. And as I said, if you're part of a team and the company's not showing that appreciation, yeah. you can change the culture in your team by just showing appreciation for the people you work with. But don't and, you think that a, a good leader also has to do the work on themselves as well? You oh, know, yeah. You know, it's, it's, you're not infallible. You're human as well. Uh, stuff happens to you. Um, you're going to go through your own stuff. It's okay to say to people, I look, I've just recently had this problem. Who else has had it? Should I get somebody in where we can address it and be in the room in that course, you know, along with the people with everybody having that same problem. And so I'm so glad we've got that cleared up. We now know how to support each other, right? It's been, you know, not you're up here, but you're a part of them, flaws and all. And I love the word flawsome because we're all flawsome, <laughs> yes. right? We really are. And it, but if you're showing your vulnerability, it just makes people look at you as real and makes people want to step up and be a part of your business because you're treating them as real. Yes, yes, definitely. There's a leadership principle that has just been amplified in the last two decades. And it's, it's just, all, all the principles are so simple. You, they're, they're, they're secrets because they're so obvious people don't understand them. Mm -hmm. But the, 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 the one I'm thinking of is if you're going to need, you need to continuously improve on how you lead and, and you as a person. So that means that you, you work on yourself, you find out your weak spots, you talk to people, you make mistakes, you let people know you make mistakes, own them. Own you them. know, yes. Yes. own up to it. And, and there's, there's a definite linkage between leading and learning. I don't think that you can effectively lead and help people grow and mature mentally and morally if you're not learning through the process as well. I know it doesn't make for good movie making because, you know, <laughs> you know the, the corrupt person fingers in the cookie jar or, you know, the conspiracy and all of that makes a really good thriller. But yeah. we want to see it on the screen. We really don't want to see it in our workplace. Yes. Yes. So let's do small acts of kindness. Yes. And be appreciative of those around us and learn from them as they learn from us. That's what community is about. Do, go, do not go in there thinking you know everything. You know a certain amount for your own experience, your own training. But do not look at somebody else and think, well, you know, they're lower level because you have no idea what they've got to give until you give them permission to say, share, 
right? And they could have something that is just so simple and so mind-blowing that is so beneficial to that company. And, you know, if you're, if you're putting yourself in a position where your word is the last word, you know, then it's not invitational of all the solutions that are flying around. Yes, you cannot tap into the brilliance of your village. Yeah. Unless you welcome that and allow them to be innovative and to be innovative, you have to make it safe for them to be able to express what they're experiencing. And you have to start, it starts with you to yes. show that expression. To and, get you know, that and, and to let people know that, you know, no idea is too silly because mm -hmm. it's something that might be absolutely outrageous. You, what you do is reverse engineer it. You know, gosh, I would love to do that, but it's so outrageous. But how could we make it happen? And that's when the heads come together, you know, of taking this way far out idea into something that could be a reality. And it's, it's saying to people that dream, dream big, right? Dream those possibilities and let's see if we can make them happen, if they're viable or not. But never, never dismiss a dream. Yes, it's not necessary to do it the way I want it. Right. Yeah, the way I the way I think of it, if I'm managing a team, we're in a ballpark and all I need to do is say, guys, get a hit. Yes. But you decide how you do it. Yes. I, I, I'm not going to tell you how to do it. You you make it make it happen and you'll find creative ways to get those hits to run the bases and right. and make it home. Right. You know, home plate. Yeah. As they say, there's no I in team. Right. Um, yes. But you do have to bring your eye to to the team. Yes, you know, that's the point. You've written three books. Are they all um, still available? Yeah, okay. uh, they're all available on Amazon. Uh, two of them are on leadership. You mentioned the titles in one breath, mind you, which is very difficult to do <laughs> because they're so long. And I've written a, uh, a third book in between the two books on, uh, uh, on clinical training. Mm. And and the most effective and responsible ways to to train people in a clinical setting, particularly in medicine. So it's it's all about that. that and what's experience. the title of that book? Oh Lord, it's a <laughs> it is it is an even longer title, and I can't tell you off of the top of my head. I regret ever saying it, but it, it is something like the most effective and responsible ways to to. Um, uh, to do clinical training, something to that effect. Right. So if they go to Amazon, put in your name, it will come up anyway. That's right. And that's why the next title was what the heck is leadership and why should I care? I could remember that. <laughs> and of course, the other one is nine practices of the 21st century leadership, a guide for inspiring creativity, innovation and engagement. That's right. And it's, it's a research book that's written in English that explains what has been happening in the last, uh, in, in this half of the century, 21st century, as far as leadership goes. And it's, it's taking 14 leadership books and explaining what the underlying principles are, how it's different from traditional leadership, what are those harmful traditional assumptions that get us in trouble, mm. and how do you practice leadership? And there's right. nine of those. 
Um, I'm a 70s chick, so that was my era, and I was living in South Africa at the time, oh. a very misogynistic world yeah. at that time. And uh, uh, that, you know, Haglas disruption thing, I seem to be one of those people uh, unknowingly going in changing systems by kind of mm. pointing them out. You know, they were happening to me, and somehow I'd just, you know, innocently disrupt something shake up the apple cart there but it did make them look at things in a different way i've mm. actually had three bosses fired and i've been offered their job and and i said no i don't want their job you know that it wasn't to have their job you know basically what i ended up being without knowing it i was in those industries to shake it up so they could shake the system up and see what was wrong and then i would move on but i didn't know i was doing that at the time um we have to uh stop looking at either sex, race, sexuality, economics, education, you know, and as they have a wonderful thing here that 55% of your uh, of your presentation when somebody meets you 55% is how do you present yourself? Now, if you're wearing an Armani suit and you're a jeans and t-shirt person, they're going to know you're uncomfortable in that suit. Mm -hmm. Go in looking clean and presentable, but go in confident in your own skin, right? 38% is your tone of voice. Is it inviting? Has it set the stage for anyone to listen to you? And then 7% is that content. But if they haven't bought your comfortability in your own skin, if they haven't bought that invitational tone to, to set the stage to listen, you're not going to get to the content stage. Right. So it's really, really important that we are very confident in ourselves, that even if we're shaking in our boots, you know, is going in, be yourself. Don't be what you think they want. Go in and own who you are. And if you are right fit and they can see it, it will work. If you're, if you're not the right fit or they can't see it, then you wouldn't thrive there anyway. Yeah. The word that comes to mind when you say that is hallelujah. Yes, it is, it's so true. There, there's a saying that uh, 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 Gary Rumler said, and it's one of his six fundamental laws of, of, of um, organizations and, and how they function. And it's this, you put a good a high performer in a bad system mm. and the system will win most yes. every time. Yes. Not every time, but most every time. And it's, it's being what you were saying about when you were in South Africa with those bosses being able to point that it's not necessarily the people. It's the system. It's the system. Mm -hmm. And taking that to diversity, there's so many tapes that run in our heads. Mm -hmm. There's so many unconscious biases that we carry with us from how we were raised, no fault yeah. of our own, no. that, that can add to the complexity and dysfunction of a system and learning what those are and become, raising our awareness and recognizing other people and being kind yeah. as much as we can, it changes the game. Totally. And I think the game is definitely changing. And, you know, because we've, we've gone to being so online in the last 15 months, there are many people, they're not going to go back to the office. They'll continue to work from home or go in now and again you know, maybe 50-50 or less. But it, what it, people have realized is that the productivity has been so much better. People aren't spending two hours a day getting to and fro from work, you yeah. know, stressed by the traffic and um, in the office politics, you know, and that 
working in their own time frame at home, they're, they're able to get more done. And I think we're seeing such a shift in the businesses. We're already seeing um, business buildings being converted into either, yeah. you know, uh, group shared um offices you know where people you can book the office yep. for the day or even convert it into apartments because already they know that they're not going to need that 10,000 square feet anymore and we're in that transition right now and it's kind of navigating what works but if you're there for your employee and you see they're producing better x y and z why rock the boat yeah right? if, if they're happy with that yeah. situation then and they're productive yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I think we're seeing such a difference right now. And again, this last year has, has really brought us together in needing to be compassionate for each other, needing to respect each other, that every single person has been affected by this in one way or the other. And yeah. there's no comparison. You know, we're not competing against each other. But, you know, I think the the pandemic we're going to see now is the, the depression, the post-traumatic stress coming out of this. And uh, the more and more the need for kindness and compassion towards one another uh, and that healing is, is going to set precedence on those that survive and those that don't. Yes, especially with frontline workers. Yes, yes. I've interviewed a couple of them and, and, and they just say that... Uh, you know, having to be by somebody's bedside as they die because the family can't be there. And it's like, you know, that may happen to you maybe once or twice in your whole career. And now it's a daily Five, occurrence. ten times yeah. a day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, one of them said, I once this is over, I'm not going back to nursing. I can't do it anymore. And so, we, you know, we, we really need to be there. It's like our veterans. Oh, the big war heroes. I have a veteran show. When they come yes. back and they're, they're suffering from the post-traumatic stress, well, the government is here to a minimum, but they're not here on the real need. What they've done is set up their own organizations to be there for each other because they know what they need. And we need to be, we need to say all to all of these frontline workers right now, what do you need? How can we be there for you? You've been there for us. And it's time for us to pay back, right? Because Absolutely, what comes yes. around goes around and that's negativity and positivity. So let's keep the positivity going. I cannot add anything to that. That was well said and articulated. <laughs> Very nice. So right now you're, you're, you're consulting yourself. So um, in whatever way, Zoom or going into companies yes. or whatever else. So, uh, and you're helping the organizations pretty well kind of organize their own leadership in there. So how do you do that? And what kind of companies do you work with? Any in industry. And a lot of my, my time is split actually like 50-50. So 50% of it is doing uh, leadership development type stuff. 50% maybe just helping with specific training. I mentioned I was working with a nuclear engineer. Yes. <laughs> on, on, I've learned more about thermal fatigue and crack corrosion than I've ever wanted to learn in my life. Yes. <laughs> Do I need to know that? Yes, do I need to? Exactly. I, I've helped develop onboarding programs. I've helped, uh, recently helped a company with their management onboarding. They've recognized that What is they're... onboarding for us that are Yeah, in... so on, onboarding is not orientation. Onboarding is thinking about the transition from being hired mm. to being a full functioning uh, employee. 
So that, that may not take a day, that may not take a month, that might take six months. The transitional it, process. It is a transitional process. And how you, how you onboard someone has a phenomenal effect on tenure, ten, turnover, mm-hmm. uh, on, on the culture itself. Yeah. So it's, it's communicate, part of it is communicating how, you, how your company leads how, what, what your culture stands for. It is in connecting people, networking with existing people that are there. It's doing a lot of things to invite and, and celebrate the new employees right. for being there and coming up. To- you want them to feel they can lay down their roots, that yes. they're a part of the company. But, you know, not only is the job new, everybody else is new, the system is new. Um, you know, th- there's that whole transitional period of getting in there and kind of adjusting and not everybody adjusts like that, you mm. know. Some people take a little longer and it's not about, well, hurry up and adjust. No, we, we forget that attitude, you know. It is about, okay, if you've got questions, if you feel uncomfortable, if there's, if there's something that no question is, is too silly, you know, if it makes you feel uncomfortable, you, it makes you comfortable that you can be on board, that you can start really immersing yourself into this. This is what we're here for, right? Because yeah, then sir, you've got an employee that is going to be there for a long time. Yeah, and you actually captured it earlier. And that is when you onboard someone, I'm, I'm paraphrase, when you onboard someone, you're saying to that person, we hired you and we value you mm. and we want you here yes. and we want your brilliance. Yes, and when you, yeah, <laughs> and when you when you communicate that, and they you see that it's for real, they what you want your goal is to get them to say, "I made a good decision. Yeah. I'm really glad I'm here." There's two words that I don't have in my own life anymore, and that's comparison and competitiveness. Um, when you compare all the time, you're always going to feel less, or in some people's ego, they're going to feel more superior. Yeah. Uh, it isn't comparison with anyone else. The only comparison is with yourself yesterday, right? Uh, this competitiveness, I've got to outbeat out this, out that. You know, it is, it's not friendly, it's not inviting, it's not communicative, it's not teamwork. Now, there's always going to be somebody in some situation that will rise up over the others because that's who they are, that kind of leader. But it's got to be to rise up and invite up, not rise up to stand out at the cost of everyone else. So knowing who we are and how we are in, in our own personal leadership is important, but uh, those two C's are not in my vocabulary anymore. Yeah, you, you actually just described one of the biggest challenges of executive boards. Mm-hmm. And that, and so when I do work with an executive board, the worst thing that can happen, and here's another Gary Rumler uh, uh, law, when one part of a system optimizes, the rest of the system suboptimizes. Mm-hmm. When you have one executive in charge of a business unit that is operating on their own, trying to make their territory, their turf, the best it is at the expense of others, then it hurts the company as a whole. Throws out and, of balance. Yeah. And yeah. What, what, what executive boards sometimes lose sight of and sometimes they never have sight of, but sometimes they just lose sight of, is that when they get together, they're functioning for the benefit of the organization. The whole. Yeah. 
And sometimes you're going to have to give up some of your organ, your department, your business unit to help the rest of the company yes. grow and excel. So that's, that's another thing that I do is help unify boards and CEOs and it doesn't have to be CEOs. It could be a department mm. a VP with direct with directors and helping at that level, but getting everyone on the same page, learning how to communicate with one another and being open and inviting psychological safety, that, that, that new hot word. Yes. Uh, words, yes. you know, it makes a difference. Yeah. I'm, I'm also, you know, as I know, I'm weird. I don't think what? money. Sh- <laughs> um, did a show yesterday where a witness came in and I fit right in. But um, <clears throat> I, I think if a money, uh, if, a, if a company only looks at money as the bottom line, they're a very yeah. poor company. If you look at the enrichment of your staff, of your clientele, you are in abundance. That money will flow in. But any company that's driven only by the money at the expense of the people then that is a, a false company as far as I'm concerned because they're not in it for anyone else but that bottom line dollar. And I think that was so much the way of the thinking of the past. And I think people are you know, slowly moving over to the other side. Happy staff, happy clientele, more productivity means more money. Yeah. But don't be driven by the money first. <laughs> yes. The, the, one of the 13 assumptions, traditional assumptions that I identified was just that and it goes like this, that profits, op- operational expenses, um, that even the person who is leader are more important than people. Yes. And that's, that's, the, that's the false assumption. Yes. And, and like the Home Depot example and yes. Southwest is it too, when you put people ahead of profits and saving expenses, then you will become profitable and you will save expenses. Yes. I mean, let's just think about it. If people are happy, their entire vibration has risen up because we're all energy. If our energy is up, we're less sick. We feel we belong. We feel more productive. We want to be there. Automatically, everything is going to be more fruitful. Right, everything is going to be more fruitful. But if you were in a place where, oh God, I've only been here two hours, it feels like 20, you know, then that discord, that misery is going to be there and it's going to seep through everything. So happy staff, happy clientele, happy people is going to be very, very productive for your bank account. Um, But you've got the other side of the scale too, where people open something up and they haven't engaged how popular it's going to be and then they can't meet with the demand and now they're putting all the stress on everybody to meet that demand mm-hmm. and it's like okay hire people even if it's temporary to meet the demand right don't yeah. say, i can't do this on our own it's too much okay hire more people <laughs> the the companies who have been successful with that specific problem have gone to the employees and said here's the problem yes help us with the solution. Yes. And there's a, a, a book by Charles Duhigg that actually describes a CEO that did that, that uh, a product, a medical product was desperate. I think it was a device was desperately needed and they needed it all done by the end of December, but there's a vacation coming up. And instead right. of saying, well, we're going to run double shifts, blah, blah, blah. The, the CEO went to the people and said, how can we do this? And they said, okay, 
let's do double shifts, but you do my laundry. Yes. <laughs> you bring in pizza. Yes. You help, help me with some of my shopping and we will make it all happen. And it happened. They, yes. they exceeded expectations yes. and Southwest airlines. I just mentioned them. They, this is from a, a book called nuts peanuts which is by a, a Freeberg and Freeberg is about this thick and it's, it's almost like propaganda of Southwest, but there's about 20 beautiful pages in the back on leadership. And in there, the CEO had a problem where he was going to have to lay people off. And the obvious choice, the difficult choice, the, the other choice was he wrote to every employee and said, I need your help. We don't want to do workforce reductions. Can you save us $5 this quarter in, in some capacity? And they came up and found ways of yes. reducing expenses, yes. reducing costs. Yes. There were no layoffs. So there's, so that is, if you're doing, if you're in a company, you're doing a lot of workforce reductions. And I've seen some that just, it's, it's like a, it's like this contagious thing. They do yeah. one after another, after another, after another. And it's just, it's crazy. But if you if you're in one of those companies find it let your people tell you an alternative alternative way to avoid having to do a workforce reduction and give them the opportunity to be creative and innovative and find ways to save the company you don't have to be a hero right you let everybody else be the hero right you know it's like in times of war it's in times of like pandemics um whether you believe in the vaccine or not, that's a totally different story. But the fact that these countries have come together, um, put the heads together to come out with these vaccines in order to come back this, it just shows that when we're willing to collaborate and put the ego aside, what we can, what we're capable of. Yeah. And, you know, why should we only see it in times of crisis? Why can't we see this? On, on an everyday front, then we will present, prevent the crises from happening to a large extent, right? So, exactly. you know, that collaboration, you know, um, you're a podcaster, I'm a podcasting people. Oh, you run other people's podcasts that you want to promote them? Yes, we, we all have our own style. It's about getting, it's about getting the knowledge out there. And, you know, it, the more knowledge that's out there, the more it engages people, the more it shows them there's other possibilities, you know, food for thought, a, a redirect. It's, it's what it's all about. And the less likely someone will wake up to Jaws yes. music in the background. <laughs> yes. if, if we can create a butterfly effect, if we, yeah. can, if we can make a difference with a few people who can make a difference, you're contributing to society and not taking from it. And it is, it, it makes, it, it would be so wonderful if people could be waking up and saying, I can't wait to get to the office. I can't wait to get yes. to the shop. I, 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 I want to make things better for the people I work with. Even though they're fine right now, I want it to be better. We have a organic family and we have a work family. And when your work family feels as close as your organic family, then you know you're in the right place. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And you merge the two together. You make friends at work and you introduce them to your family. And, and all of a sudden, that is a huge extended family, right? Which is yeah, wonderful. Yes. Community. Yeah. You, <laughs> yeah. You, 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 people who, and this is old thinking, 
you, you may want to compartmentalize your personal from your work life. No, it's all yeah. intertwined. What affects you at work affects you at home. What affects you at home affects you at work. Get used to it, accept it, embrace it, and be open. When I had our own restaurant and I was training the staff, I said, look, there's going to be plenty of time for playtime. And we will play. We will download and we will play. But the moment that customer comes through the door, it is the work hat on and the harder we work and the happier those customers are and the quicker we clean up, the more time there is to play. But it's, yeah. it is just which hat am I wearing right now? Play hat, work hat, troubleshooting hat, whatever the hat is. Understand that's the compartmentalization. It's not like I'm a different person at work than I am at home. I'm the same person wherever I go. I'm just wearing different hats. And if you can induce play in your work, yes, then it is a beautiful thing. Yes, yes. Play, play is the number one motivator for anyone. For anyone, the worst motivator is is uh, threats, economic pressure, all the Tater things. Shirt. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. But yeah. but play and purpose are two are the two most the strongest motivators and then third right behind that is uh is um that you're you're growing and developing by doing what you're doing and it doesn't matter if you're a solopreneur because you're going yep. to be working with people so you're treating your people as that extended company or whether you're running a big multi you know people company it doesn't matter it's the same approach it's just again the magnitude of it. We're not meant to do things alone because even if you're a solopreneur, you're going to align with people that are very good at that and collaboration comes in. And in that collaboration, everybody like the spider web grows, right? So that's what yep. it's meant to be. It's not about me, myself and I. Right? It's, yes. it's about how I can bring me to the table uh, that can be shared out with everyone else that benefits everybody in this beautiful orchestra. So yeah, I think we're far more into that collaborative and sharing and love who you are, love what you do, love where you work and, and just know you're appreciated. And that comes from the top down, but also from the bottom up. Yep. The Abraham Maslow had it wrong at the bottom of the pyramid is not food, shelter, clothing. The bottom at the, at the foundation is community. Yes. If you don't have community, you're not going to have those other things. Nope. Nope. We're born as, as, yeah, we're born as babies and we're totally reliant on the community of people around us. To raise us, exactly. Now, my brother is a writer and one time he went into the school and, and uh, you know, did a, a talk for the kids who all thought that they had a screenplay, right? You know, as kids do at 12 and 13, 14, you know, I've got the next, you know, Steven Spielberg thing. And he wrote, I did a triangle <laughs> and then he did a huge big thing of popcorn. And he said, it's entirely about the popcorn. And, you know, by the end of it, they were all disappointed. But it was a reality check that, you know, <laughs> what is it about? You know, is that three or $4 bag of popcorn that's making the money, right? So, yes. you know, it's, it's the smallest thing can be the biggest thing. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. And that's, the, you know, that's the secret of, of being an entrepreneur. Just it's. It's and these poor poor kids realize this, it's a lot tougher than it is. Yes. You, you if you think about it, if ten percent of what you do is accomplishing what you want, ninety percent is mistakes, 
failures, setbacks, disbelief, discouragement. So I'm probably at, at percentage 38 or 40, somewhere around there. I'm still striving and I'm going to get to that 10% eventually. Some people yes. by chance get, get a little bit of it sooner, but it's, it's, you know, the learning is well worth more than that 10%. And you and, just strive and, and help people and be good and joyful. Never put an age bracket on it. I have um, my oldest lady I've interviewed is 88 and she started her own TV show two years ago. How wonderful. You, you know, and the thing is, is that if, if there's something you love doing and it can serve the community and it can inspire yep. other people, get up and do it. Right. Yes. It is yes. never too late. There is no age bracket. And of course, if you want to go to the Olympics, you know, well, you know it, maybe youth is better on your side. Yes. <laughs> and 70, it might not be, but there's always something you can do. And so don't time yourself out. Yes. And rely on the community around you. Yes. It's, yes. The, it's the other entrepreneurs, it's the other people that will help raise you. And the ones who are most successful are thrilled to help other people become yes. successful as well. Yes. It's, it's where their energy is. It's where their love and passion is, right? So yep. um, I had somebody on the other day that was, um, was she a tennis player? And she had an injury and it totally completely changed her life, but it set her on a path that she absolutely loved. And so, you know, don't cry over what you've lost. Look at what it's prepared for you to gain. Or cry, accept those emotions, but then move yes. on. Yes, don't get you stuck know, in them. Yes, yes. Uh, someone once said that, uh, it, sure, maybe you'll have a setback and you'll be depressed and sad for a month. But next time, try to make it three weeks. Yes. And then try to make it a week. Try to shorten it, allow your emotions to happen, and then say, okay, now what do I need to do? Right. Even though I'm feeling like this and get over it. And maybe you'll get it down to a few hours or a day and, yeah. and you just need to wallow. But um, you're, you have choices and rather than leave it the chance and unconscious thinking and, and embrace that you're on this journey and accept that you're in, you have a lot more control than you think. We all have doors closed on us. And, you know, sometimes they're slammed in our face and we can feel, you know, um, offended. We can feel, you know, that it was un, unjustifiable. But there's always a reason for it, you know, discovering our own strength, our own courage, our own abilities and our own redirection is part of that journey. And when we do decide to turn around and walk away from that and go, OK, you know, um, I have a blank slate in front of me. What am I going to do with it? Yeah. Or if you're in a hallway and the door slams in front of you and you turn around, you will see that other door that you did not see before. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Just don't give up. Right. Don't give in. Yes. You know, have, have your pity party. Give yourself a damn good hug and then open your eyes. <laughs> yep. Give up when you're dead. Yes. But until then, keep striving and help people along the way. That's Even, all we can and, do. Yeah. And a, a beautiful quotation I heard yesterday on actually it was it was uh, it was on um, um, one of the TV shows. And I, I don't watch I rarely watch TV, but the person said, do not don't wait until your life is better before you decide to be happy. That actually was on America's Got Talent with yes. a girl that stayed for cancer. And she yeah, sang beautifully. Songbird. 
yes. song songbird yeah. with an yeah. e at the end yes and it and it was you you know you don't wait for things to be better before you're happy be happy it will make things better and you know she knows that she's got a short life here but it's about how does your flame burn in that life we have no idea what length of time we have here but is our flame burning bright yes and that's and the important thing and for someone who's 30 years old yes she has the wisdom of a full life yes yes you know, because she allowed just, mm -hmm. yeah yeah she chose she chose to live in the gratification and the joy uh and the gift of life uh instead of wallowing in the misery and the why me and she'll probably live more in her short period of life than most people do in their full extended life yes and it's and it, it it what what you saw on tv and it's true with with someone who writes a book someone you see that's very popular whatever you don't see all the work all the failures yeah. all the mistakes that 90 percent where they really struggle. You don't see where that poor woman was abused for years yes. by her husband. You yeah. don't see every struggle with cancer, people turning from you. Yeah. But but it's it's all that accumulation that makes us who we are and yeah. we learn from it. We do. We become better because of it. You definitely do. So whether it's, you know, getting back to that leadership, you know, being the leader in your own life. Um, and sometimes you have to follow, sometimes you have to allow the universe to direct you. And sometimes you can step into that leadership of your own choice. So it's just really being at one with yourself, isn't it? And all, all you can do in any aspect of what you do in life is your own self-discovery, how awesome you are, how flawsome you are, what your abilities are, and where can you bring it? Where can you bring it that it will be appreciated and then allow it to grow? Um, and that's our personal job to bring to the collective. Yes, let's be one with ourselves mm. and then allow ourselves to be one with the community. Yeah, and that's when we will flourish, right? It, yep. that's, you can't help but flourish. And that's the stage we're in right now. We're in actionism, we're in abundance, we're in flourishment. And it's up to us to kind of keep watering those seeds and let them grow. And that means self-love, that means kindness and compassion towards each other and to understand that you know what we feed will grow so we we don't want to feed the hate or the discord or the greed or the you know the egos anymore they've had their day and it was unproductive um so let compassion and kindness rule embrace the journey embrace the journey it's wonderful even the knots it's like getting back up and go hey they didn't keep me down. Yes, I'm <laughs> not dead yet. Up. I can still keep yet. going. Yes. And the, the saddest thing is, is those that are so called alive who are the walking dead. And, you know, that is such a waste of life, you know, and it's somewhere along the line, you've got to wake up and realize there's still oxygen in your veins. Yes. Let's find those people and help them. Exactly. Exactly. And sometimes just seeing them, hearing them, letting them know that you know they're there, what can you do for them can be the complete door opener for them into their Absolutely. own separate Absolutely, yes. Yeah, in every aspect. And we're always going to find that in any business we're in, any job we're in, and it's not for you to judge or assume, it's for you to say, how can I help? Right? And sometimes Hallelujah. That question, that question is all you need to do. And sometimes it might be just a silent hug. That's yep. it. So. 
Well, this has been wonderful talking to you. Will you please give uh, everybody all of your links, your website, your LinkedIn, your podcast, how people can listen into that, your blog and your Twitter? Yeah. So the easiest way to do this is my name, Gary A. DePaul, D-E-P-A-U-L.com. All one word. That's the easiest way to get started. LinkedIn, just do a quick search, Gary DePaul. And you will find me. You will see leadership uh, consultant researcher. It will pop up. Uh, the Twitter is Gary DePaul without an A. And uh, I'm on Facebook. I have a couple of pages there. The podcast is Unlabeled Leadership. It's all about discovering what leadership is. And each episode is a piece to the puzzle. And it's pulling together those unique pieces to come up with something to help people understand what leadership is really about. It's a, it's a great thing. Unlabeledleadership.com. And it is also, there's a LinkedIn uh, company page for Unlabeled Leadership as well. Wonderful. And I've had the honor of being on your podcast, which I come out July 1st, which I will put on your link here on your page. And uh, it, it was very, very delightful, very different to the way I do it. But I listened to it because you sent me the raw file and I thought, I really like the flow of this. It was very yeah. different and I really liked it. So thank you very much for interviewing me. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me on the show. <laughs> it's it's great. absolutely delightful. Absolutely delightful. And you know, a lot of people think I need my PhD, I need my MBA, yeah. I need my this and that to be a leader. No, 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 no. Mm. Leadership is something that is within you that you bring to the table. And it is, it doesn't matter where you stem from or what titles you have. That leadership is there just waiting to come out, waiting to be expressed, but lovingly, kindly and in respect. And it's the small acts that can make the biggest difference. Yeah. It's actually an exciting time, isn't it? Because we're seeing this wonderful shift. And I think we're going to see a far calmer, more considerate, more respectful world because of it. it Got a ways to go, but we're on the is, right, right direction. <laughs> it is definitely an improvement. And the more people that get on board with this, the stronger it will be. You'll keep going. I'll keep going. Mm -hmm. We'll reach people daily. Yep. And we can make a difference in the world. Yes. It all starts with us, folks, in our own self-discovery. What's our instrument? Which orchestra do we bring it to? How can we be a part of the solution? Right? Because that's what it's all about. It's about your contribution. And everybody has a contribution to give. It doesn't matter how big or how small. It is important. It's part of the, the energy out there that keeps things moving. So thank you so much, Gary been a pleasure having thank you, you here. for letting me improvise with you <laughs> i love it <laughs> like jazz until next time folks remember you are the leader in there um just embrace the beautiful divine flawsome person that you are because you're here to contribute there's a lot that you have to give and find that beautiful community that will see you until next time bye for now we hope that you enjoyed the show you will hear many, many shows here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. We have new shows for you out every week. Just find them on our podcast or, or what's new. If you feel that you have something to share that makes a difference in the lives of others, or you too feel that you could be a host, please contact me at info at selfdiscoverymedia.com and we will be glad to speak with you. Have a wonderful day.